following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30's review of Unforgiven. I'm Pete, and I'm joined as usual by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you doing, sir? Good. And I really think we got punked this month by, <laughs> by the fans, because I have a lot of thoughts about this movie, many of which not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of torn on this movie. It's like... I ended up watching it. It ended up taking me days to watch it. And by the way, obviously this episode, we're sorry. It's dropping late. August has been a month. <laughs> Listen, uh, you, know, you had you went on vacation with your family. Uh, I was dealing with some construction with my house and these things happen. I apologize. You know, we'll, we'll make it up to you, I promise. But yeah, we- the goal is to get this uh, thing back on track here. Uh, we've been a little off on our um, drops lately. This is probably the, the latest it's come. Usually it's like a day or two late. This is definitely a little bit longer. So we're going to try and get things back on track. But anyway, it took me a couple watchings to watch this film. And it's funny, you know, despite... I, I had to text Mike the other day. He's like, oh, it's like a nine-hour movie. I wrote him. I'm like, you're right. It was a nine-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like one of these movies where, despite its actual runtime, you feel like it's just like, oh, it's going and going and going. But in fairness for this review, and because I was sitting here a little bit this evening trying to get myself together to do some kind of proper review of this, I actually ended up watching it like one and a half times because I went back and was trying to rewatch portions of it where I didn't understand how something had happened or missed, thought I missed something or or whatever. So I've seen chunks Mm -hmm. of the movie complete. I've seen the movie a to Z in several watchings. And then I've seen the movie Z to a in bits and pieces, (laughs) but kind of a bizarre way to approach it. But I wanted to like really make sure I knew how I felt about it. And the funny part was I watched it the full way through the other night and Ange joined me for like the last 20 minutes. And I was like, man, what a crappy movie at the end. And now I'm like, okay, it's a passable movie. <laughs> you know, like, And I think it's because I've had a little bit more time to reevaluate my thoughts on it. And I'm like, I'm willing to give it a pass. But that said, I don't feel like it's Oscar winner level and like, you know, quite as large of the vote level and I might be like annoying some people when I say this, you know, maybe not the popular opinion. You and I might be on the the wrong side of what people feel about this movie here tonight. You know what it is? Um, like people talk about this movie with such reverence and I I don't see it. I don't I don't see that part of it. Yeah, so I mean I, I you know I basically 
in response to Mike's taking of notes, which we're probably actually going to somewhat skip the notes tonight. We've talked about this ahead of time. I think we're going to do like a little bit more of a smaller breakdown of this. But in response to his notes, I felt like I had to write my own little Pete's problems with Unforgiven thing. And this is this is exactly what I start off by saying in it, too, is just that I'm I'm really a little surprised that it's so universally liked. But the only thing I can come up with, and we talked about this a little bit last time, is A, I think it might be a product of its time that given when it came out in the 90s and what Westerns were up until that point, this was probably a breath of fresh air to a lot of people. It probably kind of like changed the game a little bit. Um, but again, like I, you know, again, like I think it is different than a typical Western and maybe that's its selling point for me now, having seen it like one and change times, one and a quarter times, whatever it is. Um, but Ultimately, I just I don't think it's as good as other Westerns or maybe even as good as some of the other movies that came out um, in 92. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the cinematography is very, very nice. Um, I don't think the script is all that strong, to be honest with you. Um, honestly, I didn't know who Clint Eastwood's character's name was or Morgan Freeman's character. Well, I tell you what, before we dig like too deep into our specifics, because I feel like you and I have plenty of grievances to air. <laughs> um, why don't we like do like a summation of the movie? Because sure. like normally in our recall, we usually kind of walk A to Z through the movie. Uh, I, by the way, I feel like every time that we record one of these shows, somehow I end up repeating a phrase multiple times. And like I go back and I'm like editing the movie and listening to the whole thing over or editing the podcast, not the movie, um, editing the podcast and and listening to everything back over again. And I'm like, wow, I said that like multiple times. Apparently A to Z is the one for this movie. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's a little bizarre. So I don't know. Hopefully people find that endearing and not annoying when listening to the show. Um, but, you know, like just to, to surmise it like we normally would, except instead of going the whole way through – Let's just kind of wrap it up in like a recall like sort of. So, so basically the movie starts off with these two like dirty cowboys who are in a uh, a brothel and they really beat up one of the girls because she laughs at his private area and they beat her up. They cut her face up and they really like, you know, maul her. But like not like totally d destroy her, but they cut her up pretty good and, you know, hurt her bad. And so the crooked sheriff who's played by Gene Hackman kind of like lets the guys off with a slap on the wrist and tells him like, here, your, your penance for hurting this girl was give them a couple of horses and get on their way. And so the, the women in the brothel pu pool their money together to try to hire, you know, an assassin to come and kill these two guys that that hurt this girl who now no one's going to want to be with her in the brothel because of the fact that she's all cut up and, and you know, damaged, so to speak. And so somehow they it's not really clear how they get the word out that they're like putting out this bounty for these two guys. But all of a sudden, you know, a couple different um, bounty hunters or assassins come from all around the, the, the old west. But really and truly, it's only like two. It's this like English guy called English Bob and this young kid who apparently 
you know, tells this tall tale that he's, you know, killed a bunch of guys before, but yet he enlists Clint Eastwood's character, whose name is Will, unlike uh, Gene Hackman's character, whose name was Bill, which was really kind of <laughs> yeah, I know. bad writing in that sense. Um, and Clint Will, Eastwood, Bill, and Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Clint Eastwood's character, I, I feel like they're trying to say that he, this is the older version of him in, you know, all of the spaghetti westerns of of the you know um, you know the good the bad and the ugly and those kind of things. Um, I think that they're trying to say this is the old old man version of him who he met some woman who we never meet and she has died of some sort of virus and he's raising their two young children who's maybe like ten and eight. Um, the movie also starts off with this weird sort of scrolling text about the woman. And it also bookends the movie and ends the same way about a woman that we never meet, we don't really care about, other than the fact that she's the reason why Clint Eastwood's character doesn't kill anybody anymore. Um, And so, you know, initially Clint Eastwood's character, you know, which they they, they try to play off that he's really old, even though he's got his like 10-year-old and 8-year-old kids – he can't get on his horse anymore. He can't fire a pistol anymore and, and hit the target. He can still shoot with a shotgun, but lo and behold, he's, you know, rusty, if you will. So he then goes and finds his old partner, played by Morgan Freeman, who I already forgot his name in the movie. Ned, Ned right, Ned. Um, and then they want to go go with this young kid, who calls himself the Schofield kid or something like that. And the bounty is like a thousand dollars and they want to split it three ways now. And there's underlying racism because, you know, Morgan Freeman is black and the Schofield kid is white, but it kind of gets brushed away within two seconds and, and that's it. Um, now they set off to go to this town, which I don't remember what the name of the town was, but in, in the meantime, this English Bob shows up and he's like this real hotshot, you know, assassin and Gene Hackman's character basically beats the hell out of him, you know, to the point where he's barely, you know, alive, throws him in prison. And, uh, he's got a writer with him who's kind of writing this English Bob's, you know, book about who he is like this, you know, legendary cowboy assassin, so to speak. And Gene Hackman, sort of tells him that uh, everything you've heard about English Bob is a lie. I was really there. This is what really happened. And they they kill English Bob, and now this writer then begins to follow Gene Hackman's character, uh, Little Bill, and he's writing about him. And, you know, eventually we, we, we finally, after a long span of time that nothing happens essentially – uh, Clint Eastwood's character, Morgan Freeman, and this Schofield kid, they find these cowboys somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and they start shooting with a rifle, and they kill one of them. And I think they kill the other one, but it's like a long, yeah, it's just, out it's death. just It's just one of them. They kill one of them, but it's a long, drawn-out death. Well, because like, he kind of like clipped him or hit his horse, and he like breaks his leg, and then he's like trying to shoot him because Ned won't shoot it. Ned shoots him to start. Um, and then doesn't have like the, the 
it doesn't want to keep going. Yeah, right. There's not the nerve to finish it. Yeah, he can't. He can't kill the guy because he feels like his wife will be ashamed of him or whatever. So then and so on and it's so up forth. to Clint Eastwood to try and do it, and he like has like four shots, and he kind of like keeps missing, and then he finally gets him like in the gut. So the guy basically yeah. slowly bleeds out. Yeah. So then they, you know, now people are after them and trying to find them, and they track the other guy to like a safe house where the Schofield kid shoots the guy in the in the outhouse essentially and kills him and and you know admits this is really his first kill um they get away from you know the the bodyguards protecting this kid um at some point or another they they capture Ned cuz he's left the 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 Clint Eastwood, the Schofield kid, they capture him, they kill him off screen, and they put his body in a coffin outside of uh, the brothel. And um, you, you've you seen that kind of trope in other Westerns in the past. And, and essentially, when Clint Eastwood finds out, um, he gets pissed off, goes into town, and kills basically everybody. Um Part of which I skipped over is the fact that like Clint Eastwood meets this the girl that got cut up in the beginning, yeah. of the movie, and there's this underlining uh, romance with one another that never pays off, never pans out. Like sort of, yeah. <laughs> like you, you'd think that she, like she would go away with him and help him raise his kids at some point, but it it never goes to that point. Um, yeah. So, so that's actually a pretty good summary. I got to tell you, it was making me itchy. <laughs> like listening to it even back, I was just like, like even like the short version of you trying to like do like like the recall version of it is like too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, it's crazy. So like I, to go off of that, because I think some of the stuff I wrote down, will touch on that. I think that's a good summation of it. So let's go through some of these points and we can kind of talk through some of the nitty gritty on, on some of this stuff. So first off, just to go right off that, like even what I was just saying, one of the first things I wrote down is movies too long with a lot of unnecessary story and characters, really intense scenes followed by slow dragging sections. Right. So I feel like I put that point as number one because I feel like it just sums up this movie on a whole. And you sort of were mentioning some of this a little bit, you know, already, which is just like, you know, there's things that just don't make sense in this. Like there's characters that don't make sense in this, you know, like, you know, I was going to mention it later, but like English Bob is just a completely pointless character. Pointless. You know, and it's like, you. I think the other thing you sort of said that kind of like, is like, yes, I want to like scream when you said it is like somehow, <laughs> that like first of all like all the prostitutes decide like oh well the sheriff's not going to punish these guys so we have to let's get a thousand dollars together which is insane money for right. the old west insane like, money yeah crazy insane money um and somehow they get the word out like to other people and who shows up Schofeld kid and english bob Right. That's it. Nobody else. There's no, no other one else. All right. So you get this thousand dollar bounty. It's just the two of them. You know, got given Schofeld kid goes on to recruit some people to help him, but no one else, at least that we see, shows up to deal with this scenario. Um English Bob is pointless. They introduce him like a part of the way into the movie, maybe like forty minutes or so into I'd say the movie. So, yeah. yeah. Um and they immediately spend like 10, 15 minutes 
trying to talk up like, oh my God, you have no idea who you're talking to. That's English Bob. He's like a murderer. And like, you know, like, oh my God, he's like a crack shot. You know, he can shoot like anything, whatever. And then he finally gets to the town and gets his ass handed to him within like four seconds by little Bill. Right. So the only possible explanation for why they do all that is just to be like, oh, well, little Bill's a badass in his own right. But we kind of see that already. You know, he's sort of like the most interesting character in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, he kind of has like the most to do, like heavy lifting. Um, and Gene Hackman is an excellent actor. So, you know, he does what he does with it. But like, you know, it, like, again, like they it's just like a really bizarre but here's pointless the character, the 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 story guy that's chronicling him, pointless character. You know, like they just like yeah. they just throw stuff in like that, and it's just like you could cut those sections out of the movie, probably lop a good forty minutes out oh, of yeah. the movie, you can and the movie, movie probably be better to, for it. <laughs> you can get this movie down to a, a, a minute for uh, an hour and forty and be a great movie, but instead it's like two ten. And you know, speaking of Gene Hackman, he's great in the movie. He's probably the most interesting part of the whole movie. He won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. I I look at the list of who he's up against, and I'm like, Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men lost to him. That role is iconic and is still yeah. quoted to this day. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, you know, I don't think – Mike and I were chatting that we're going to also be discussing this in terms of the Academy Awards and some of the stuff that went up against. But, like, that's a really good one to kind of start off on, which is, like – you know, which one of those two roles is more memorable down the road? And again, like the Oscars doesn't always get that sort of a thing right. Sometimes things go down in history a different way than the the Oscars fall, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, think about those two roles. And again, like, I mean, so like I'll, I'll point out some of the stuff I was saying about like Little Bill. So again, Little Bill is a conundrum for me in this movie. And again, Gene Hackman, excellent actor pulled off this character in, in as so much as you possibly can. But again, by and far the most interesting character in this movie, yes. not necessarily like the most well-written character, but most interesting. Yeah. And I think part of that is this duality of this character that in one hand, he's the sheriff of the town, right? So you're expecting him to be kind of like the good guy, lawman sort of thing. And I even saw a little bit of an interview yeah with um clint eastwood where when he's like when i was going through this screenplay i kept saying to myself i was like you know three quarters of the way through the screenplay and i'm like who's the good guy in this movie he's like it's not my character it's not a bunch of these characters he's like i was feeling like it was little bill but little bill's not the good guy in this movie because immediately he dismisses two basically criminals you know just gives them like a pass and then Every other character that he crosses paths with in this movie, he either beats the hell out of tortures, tortures yeah. or just outright kills. And especially when you take into you know like a character like Ned, you know like basically he killed him for lying. Ned at this point has maybe shot a guy. I'm not sure if he shot the guy or the horse. I can't quite tell. No. Um, and other than that, he killed him for lying. Okay, and being part of this group of guys that's going to kill, so he's just like throwing him up as like a like a warning, right? Right. So like he's a very hard edged sheriff, and yet these two guys that show up in his town 
in his town and cut up a woman in a place that's basically under his protection, he's like, yeah, you know, like pay the guy, not even them, pay the guy that, that like, you know, paid them to be there two horses to make up for, you know, you know, not being able to use her as a, as a prostitute anymore. Yeah. You know, so like, it's like a character that doesn't make any sense. You know, like he's, he's not redeemable. Well, he's not. And it's like, you know, there's a version of this character who's, the more stereotypical sheriff that you see in these type of movies, who's like trying to be that hard nosed sheriff who is willing to like bend the law in order to scare these people off. But just like murdering people who have not had a trial, you know what I mean? And then like letting people go who have committed a crime. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And you know, I like, again, there's two versions of that. They either have this hard edged version of him that's being miserable to everybody, good, bad, or indifferent in the town or you have the good version of him who is like, all right, we need to lead a posse out immediately and stop these assassins before they kill these guys or, you know, like, like, you know, something like that. And like, just, it just never materializes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he should be the one posting a bond for somebody to, to hunt down these guys so they can put them under arrest versus, you know, like, and again, like I realized that's stereotypical Western. So maybe they want to do something different, but his character makes no sense. You know right. what I mean? It just doesn't add up. Um, so as far then as you, like you're saying with like, you know, Gene Hackman versus Jack Nicholson and a few good men, you can't handle the truth. I mean, like goodness gracious has a lot more lifting to do in that character and is infinitely more memorable. So again, point, <laughs> to not unforgiven on that front. Right now, you know, do we want to continue on with these awards? Because I have a lot. Let's, like, let's touch on them in a little bit. Like okay. let's let's go through the rest of the the issues because I feel like it's important to kind of continue to pull apart this thing to so people get why we're saying we don't like it. Sure. Um, so second point, and again, this is something that you you mentioned um, in in relation to Ned. My second biggest problem with this movie: way too much happens off screen for the stuff that happens for these characters before the movie and during the movie. Right. So point in case we're told all manner of things about these characters, but we never see them. We're told that English Bob is a notorious badass, but we don't really see that. Right. He shoots a couple of cans in the air, but he doesn't do anything when he gets to the town. Right. We're told that will money is like this, like, like to the point that they have like Basil exposition, you know, like end of the movie, 20 minutes left to go. That woman rides out on the horse and she's like, she's like, I was told that Will Money like murdered women and children and men and did this and did that and killed, you know, like, uh, like rain manner of people. And and then like, you know, same thing in the beginning of the movie, like Schofield kid says his uncle Pete sent him there. Like, I'm like, (laughs) like how did this Schofield kid, even find this guy. This guy right. is in hiding in the he middle is, of he nowhere. Put that whole past life behind. He's like, my uncle Pete knew where you lived and said that you're this notorious killer and you did this and that. Like we're told repeatedly about all these things that these characters did off screen. And what's Schofield crazy about this? Kid like says he did all this stuff off screen. We're told Ned used to do all these things off screen, but we never see any of it, and it's infinitely aggravating. <laughs> and on top of that, like like you said, you know, Sh- uh, Schofield kid found. Uh, Will Money with no problem. I'm like, if he's done all this horrible things and he's this old man now, why has no one ever come after him in the past to try to kill yeah, him? And especially if he was that easy to find. Just you had to talk to Uncle Pete, apparently. Yeah. Um, but again, like you mentioned, 
you know, it starts with this opening shot with like a like a sunrise or a sunset and this opening crawl. Uh, talking about how much he loved his wife and that's what made him change his life around and everything. Okay, fine. But again, we don't really see anything to back that up either. We're just told that he's this infatuated with her. Same thing at the end of the movie. They end on that same sort of a sunset shot with an ending scroll. And the ending scroll's as pointless as the opening scroll where it's like, oh, her mother showed up and like found that they were missing and people think they moved to San Francisco and became like a like a, like a fur dealer or something like that. Um, But she never knew why this terrible outlaw loved or or like, or why her daughter loved this terrible outlaw. Well, again, like how did like, like, like who cares? Like we've never seen this woman. We don't care. You know, like let's see him retired at the end of the movie in San Francisco with the money he made off this thing. Or let's see a little shot beforehand of like this true love that they had and lost, you know I mean? Like, it's just so bizarre. We're just like, it's just, they bang you over the head. And this is a two plus hour movie. I think I think it was, I told you two hour, 11, ten, something like that. Two ten, yeah. Two tens. Um, and yet in all that time, they don't like really give us on screen a reason to believe any of this stuff. We don't see that killer will money until the last 10 minutes of the movie. All and- we see until then is some old man with rickety bones who can't, hit the side of a barn, you know, and what he I can't mean? get on his horse as, yeah. as, as so like a it's, running joke. Like it's like, it's just bizarre. It's like, you know, you have this whole thing with that and he's, you know, trumped up to be this just like, t- like Terminator dude. And then you don't see that happen until that last 10 minutes of the movie. When all of a sudden everybody's got stormtrooper shooting, nobody can hit him. All he does is squats down on a knee and he just kills everybody. everybody. In the place. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, wait, where did that come from then? <laughs> so it is so aggravating that they say so much. And same thing, and I'm going to tack this to Clint Eastwood. So to talk about him for a minute, I realized that Clint Eastwood's whole career is the silent but deadly character type. I get that. But right. he's too silent, not enough deadly for most of the movie, and then too deadly at the end of the movie. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I thought he was going to die in that shootout. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, he's going to, like, the tragedy of this movie. And I thought he does. Yeah, I I thought so. Yeah, I was, like, watching it, and I was like, I think he's going to die in this shootout with these guys. Because we've seen that, like, Little Bill's apparently some, like, you know, amazing guy or whatever, too. That, like, the two of them were going to do the customary, like pull and draw and shoot and, you know, like that they were going to essentially, you know, kill each other or that he wasn't going to be able to escape the town without getting killed. And then it was like, you know, maybe like you said, maybe that prostitute goes and finds his kids and takes care of them or Ned does something to go and take care of them. Something like that, like where you realize that he can't put that killer to rest. He's been trying to put that killer to rest, but he can't. His his friend Ned dies. So he's just going to kill this whole town, whatever. But we don't even get that. You know what I mean? So it, it, it just it just drives me crazy. couple other examples of that, because you, you mentioned some of these things. They find that first set of cowboys out of nowhere. It literally cuts from a scene of him talking with that prostitute to literally, boom, bang, like cuts to these guys out on the range with, like, you know, roping cattle the next day. And then they're up in a cliff just killing them. Yeah. Like, like when did they find them? How did they know to find them there? You don't get any reasoning exposition or anything to lead you into how they tracked them down there. 
Um, same thing ultimately when they go to find them at the ranch, they're like, Oh, like, you know, he's like, he's like, Oh, they must be at that ranch. We'll go to the ranch and see if they're there. How do they know where these people's ranches? Like, right. what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, same thing with Ned. Right. So like they whip up a posse, like we got to go find these guys, um, before they assassinate any more of these people. And off screen, we get this, we get this scene where basically, like the the posse heads out and then you get like a brief little interlude and then it cuts back and the posse is like, hey, little Bill, we found one of them. We found one of them. We don't even see Ned. We don't see Morgan Freeman. It's not like they're like got him roped and they're dragging him into town behind the horse. It's like it's almost like Morgan Freeman wasn't available to film that day. They're just like, we got one of them. And he was out at such and such gulch. Couldn't find the other two, though, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and then like eventually a couple more little things forward. We just see Morgan Freeman tied up in the jail. And he's getting beaten and then he's killed off screen. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even killed. Like he's just like he's like, I'm going to go get those whores. And if their lies are different than your lies, I'm going to hurt you worse because I won't hurt a woman. Um, and then like apparently what hurt you worse means is I'm going to like just beat you to death and then stick you in that coffin. Right. Yeah. And same thing. We don't see him in the coffin at first. I don't think until, um, Clint Eastwood comes into the town. Instead, the woman has to ride out from town and be like, Oh, your friend's dead. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> it's just like, show it, show yeah. it. Like first rule, when you get into film school, you'll remember very well is yes. what, Show it, don't tell it. Exactly. It's just like, it's so infuriating that there's so many things, important plot beats in this movie that are not shown just like, you just get like somebody like talking about it. You know what I mean? And like, like think about that final scene where you have Clint Eastwood is sitting there with the Schofeld kid under the tree. And the Schofeld kid is sort of having this heartbreaking moment where... Which is maybe the only redeeming moment for this character in the whole movie. Yeah. Where you realize that, like, you know what? He's been talking up a big game. He's not a killer. He's really having a hard time having killed this guy. He decides, take my pistol. I'm never going to kill anybody again. But it's so little so late because you're like, you've got 20 minutes left in the movie when this little monologue of his happens. And you don't really care. (laughs) You're like, oh, yeah, it was obvious that this guy has been lying about everything all movie. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, yeah, I'm like a crack shot. Meanwhile, they prove he can't see. You know, he's got he must be like, like, I always forget if it's nearsighted, farsighted. He can only see things close to him. He can't see things far away. So, like, you keep reproving throughout it and like repeatedly that he's like an idiot and a rookie and a liar. Um, so that's all obvious. You know what I mean? So like, all right, mister, I'm not going to shoot anybody again. It's, it's half heartbreaking and half ridiculous because it's like, you don't have a payoff. You don't see him really tormented for this, for a portion of the movie where he's like, maybe he shot the first guy and is realizing by the second guy that he can't do this anymore. I almost, Ned's character does, you know, I almost wished that. Will Money killed uh, the Schofield kid after admitting that because his friend Ned wouldn't be dead if this kid didn't drag them out into this whole situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that as being like like how his character works either. But I guess for me, it just like there's a lot of like people like, yeah, let's do this thing. Right. You got Will Money, who is like 
for however many years he's left this killing behind. He's had this wife, he's raising a family. And then this one kid comes along and is like, oh, a thousand bucks. And he's like, all right, he's got a failing farm, whatever. But he's like, all right, to save like this money for my kids so they can have a life, I'll do this thing. So he's going to, you know, go back to being the devil for that. Ned took almost no convincing to come along. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, all right, yeah, I'll come along. But as soon as he, A, again, shoots the guy's, guy or the horse i can't still tell which happened he's like all right well now that i did that i can't kill this guy well he might have just killed him a second ago so like what changed there right and the same thing with the Schofeld kids same thing guns this guy down bang 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 three shots can't defend himself in an outhouse and then afterwards goes like oh that was you know tough and again like i realize that like the overarching story of this movie and why it's different than your typical western is people questioning the killing of a person, like realizing it's difficult. You know, you have that scene earlier in the movie with Sheriff um, Bill uh, when uh, uh, Bob, whatever, English Bob is in the jail and like the, you know, chronologer is like talking to him and he's basically trying to prove to him, like, it's not easy to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like you got to be there in that moment. It's not about who can draw fastest. It's about who's smarter. And like, you know, he's like, here, take the gun and kill me. you like, take the gun and shoot. And the guy can't do it. He doesn't have the nerve to do it. And it's like, I get that that's kind of the theme of this movie is that it's, it, it is hard to kill somebody. And it's a tough decision to make. And you might have a lot of regret after doing that. But that regret feels tacked on yeah. on these characters. It doesn't feel earned because it's just like they just, again, tell you it in these brief little things and they don't really show you that they're really aching and and dying over this thing, you know? And again, like Schofield kid says that to him and we never see the Schofield kid again. Nope. Bye. (laughs) You know, his arc Um, is done. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So again, I, I just, it drives me crazy. And again, um, I think all, again, you were sort of saying this, the main characters in this movie are the least interesting you know, like if this is a movie where the main protagonist is supposed to be Will Money, like he's probably the least yeah, interesting boring. character in this film. You know, I, like I would say that the, the the prostitutes are the most interesting characters in the movie. Maybe. I mean, even them, like it's like okay, like, you know, they make this like interesting choice to like get some revenge for their friend, but like what's the end result of that? They lose all this money that they've saved up, you know, to like presumably earn a better life for themselves. Instead of spending a thousand dollars to hire some people to to kill these two guys, they could have given a thousand dollars for that girl to just take off and start a new life. And start a new life somewhere, you know, just yeah. like take this money, run away tonight, and start I, over. I thought the same thing. You know, so like, thing. so it's like their motivations are completely lacking. Every scene that we see them in, they just have this outrage that this woman got cut up and um, that they hope these guys are going to solve their problems for them. But like past that, they don't have a lot to do. You know what I mean? There's kind of like that one who's sort of like she's not quite the madam, but like she's kind of like, you know, the eldest or or sort of like their, you know, matron. Um, And, you know, she has the most lines and, and sort of things to say. To your point, you know, the one that did get cut up sort of – I don't think they start to form a relationship. She kind of basically comes to Will Money and is like – she's sort of seeing that he's like a little wishy-washy on everything. And she's like, oh, well, like, you know, I could be with you. And he's like, I would. And he's like, I like you. I would be with you instead of these other girls for reasons. I guess he's just trying to make her feel better about herself. Um, but 
like, again, like even if they're trying to form a relationship there, they're trying to do that in like two and a half minutes. They don't really expound on that even, you know what I mean? So I yeah. don't know, like those, those characters are, are completely confounding too, because it doesn't, their motivations make no sense. Um, so, I mean, again, not to beat a dead horse here, I think there's a lot of issues <laughs> with this. Hold on, time out. <laughs> it sounded like you said beat a dead whore. <laughs> so as not to beat a dead whore, to cut up a, a horse face or anything like that, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, again, like, I, I, I realize there's a lot of people that really like this movie. I feel like I can think of, like, several other good westerns off the top of my head that I would rather watch than this. Wyatt Earp um, is better. Uh, Tombstone is better. Um, that one with the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and also I mean, Jack yeah, Magnificent Seven. I mean, oh. like, there's so many to choose from. It's yeah. not even funny. Um, what was that one that they put out on Netflix a couple of years ago? Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh yeah, it's like five or six or seven little vignette sort of things. I loved the hell out of that. And I would recommend anybody go and watch it regardless of if you're somebody who likes Westerns or not. It was just a really cool little thing that they put together. Three Tending um, Yuma is a good movie. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, a ton of, of stuff like this. And again, I think one of the reasons why folks are, are into this movie is it's very different than like the old, like, well, welcome John to town, partner. You know, like yeah. sort of, you know, stereotypical kitschy Western that had been sort of the, the thing for so long. But I also don't know that it's a solid foundation for some of the stuff that still came after that were really solid um, Westerns. And again, I think there's also older Westerns that are more solid films. I just think there's too many things that are happening off screen in this, not enough interesting character development, um, characters that make no sense to many characters. It's just, it's just a mess in my mind. Um, again, that being said, it's more watchable than some other stuff I've seen. So that's why I say it gets kind of like a pass fail. <laughs> so what I wanted to do was go through its Oscar wins, right? It was it was nominated for nine Oscars. I want to just talk about the ones that it won and why I think they got it wrong. And yeah, I mean, like let's let's like go through them and compare them to a few, and like really let's see like where it stands up to some versus maybe where it fails. I'm gonna start from the bottom up. So, first one that it wins on my list here is best film editing, and it's up against Basic Instinct. The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, and The Player. Please note, notably, Bram Stoker's Dracula is not on this. Uh, uh, Malcolm X is not on this. Um, Death Becomes Her is not on this list. Hoffa is not on this list. I think all of those movies were better edited than this film. Um, again, like... It's like if when you take into consideration, like, again, I think this movie, as far as the cinematography editing sort of end of things, I can see where it maybe comes in because it's like a Western epic and it's full of beautiful shots, things like that. Right. Well, we both I mean, agree like, that it's 30 minutes too long. Yeah. I mean, again, like think about it again. We, we were talking about yesterday that we've seen better Westerns or not yesterday. Last time on the show, we've seen better Westerns. Um, and you mentioned, oh, uh, City Slickers. I, I, I was thinking about it at the time, but I forgot to mention that what I was actually thinking about when I was saying that 
was um, Dances with Wolves. Yeah. And so like take a film like that as a kind of close to this comparison for what a Western can be. You know what I mean? And again, like editing, editing's tough. You know what I mean? Like that's always a tough category to really call. I mean, Basic Instinct, Few Good Men. Few Good Men's a really damn intense movie. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think a lot of when you get a movie where there's a lot of intensity comes from editing. Um, so when you have a movie like this, that's a little bit more sweeping cinematography and things like that, like you can kind of let shots breathe a little bit. It's not like an apples to apples comparison to something like a few good men. That being said, it's tough for me to, to say that like a movie is like best editing when it's like that. So I would, again, in my mind out of this bunch, probably give it to a few good men. Agreed. So now we already covered Best Supporting Actor with Gene Hackman. The next one up is Best Director of Clint Eastwood. He's up against Neil Jordan from The Crying Game, James Ivory of Howard's End, Robert Altman for The Player, uh, Martin Brest for Scent of a Woman. Notably not on this list is Spike Lee for Malcolm X. Um, you know, I I think, you know, Scent of a Woman, Malcolm X – those are probably b- better directed movies than this because this movie, like, I don't, I don't necessarily. If, if you want to say that a director directs the actors, I didn't care about how the actors were portrayed or how they came across. None of them are redeemable. None of them are interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, this is one of these things where it's like blame falls at the top. So if we're both like this movie didn't do so great, you know, it's hard to say that he did a good job directing it. I mean, there's. As far as like a Western goes, I think, you know, him having learned from Sergio Leone and things like that, you know, I I think there's elements of this that are really cool. Again, I think the cinematography on this movie is stunning. Um, But to your point, like I think and I think they get some good performances out of this. Like I said, I think Gene Hackman's performance is good out of this. I think there's moments where like the Schofield kid shows up with a performance or Clint Eastwood in that, again, that last 10 minutes shows up with a serious performance. It's hard to like give yourself credit for directing yourself. I feel like, um, but the rest of it's kind of flimsy. So like for me out of this list, scent of a woman is, is where I would land, I think. But I mean, and just for argument's sake of movies that Clint Eastwood directed that I think are better than this. And <laughs> most of them, you know, <laughs> mystic river, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, Million uh, Dollar Baby for sure. For sure. <laughs> Gran Torino. Yep. You know, those are fantastic movies that are directed incredibly. You know, even A Perfect World. Remember A Perfect World with, with Kevin Costner? Mm, oh, that one I'm a little trying to remember it's which a fant- one it was. It's an incredible movie. Very depressing, but very good movie. Um, those are all, I think, better directed than this movie. And now... I'm gonna. I want to touch on Best Picture, and I want to spend a lot of time on this because it bothers me that this movie won Best Picture over The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, Howard's End, Scent of a Woman. Again, Malcolm X, completely not on this list. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, not on this list. Um, you know, where else? Encino we- Man, Encino not on this list. <laughs> How dare they? You know, another movie that came out this year that I love, A River Runs Through It, not on this list. You know, that's a terrific film. And, you know, I just don't see this as being the best picture of the year. There were so many better movies this year than this movie. 
Yeah. Uh, what? Which one would you give it to out of the batch? I, I mean, a few good men is just it's everyone is so good in that movie. It's so profound that movie. Um, I would, I'm really torn between that and Scent of a Woman, and I'm, I feel like I'm leaning to Scent of a Woman. And again, both of those are infinitely memorable. And if I'm giving it to it, it's on like just the slightest, you know, factor or whatever. The, the, the only reason why I, I could see you go Son of Woman because the movie is so heavily carried by Al Pacino, whereas the ensemble cast of A Few Good Men, everybody is so good. You know, I mean, you know, A Few Good Men is really good the whole way through, but I feel like the whole movie ultimately comes down to that, like, the, la- the courtroom. Yeah, that final courtroom scene. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like Scent of a Woman is like, you know, it's just like, it's just a great movie throughout. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's kind of why I lean that way. But they're both phenomenal. Yeah. But again. <laughs> both better than Unforgiven. <laughs> better than Unforgiven, yes. And listen, I don't mean to slight G- uh, Clint Eastwood or Gene Hackman or Morgan Freeman or anybody because they're all actors of, of a incredible ilk that you can't even put a you know value on but i just feel like they've all been in better movies than this bar none you know it's it's a fine movie i i thought even watching the trailer i thought the trailer was more you and i were into that trailer yeah and it's interesting because it's like Again, I, I think what's attractive about it is the cinematography and they lead you into like, oh, this is what the story's going to be. All right, cool. But I think this is what gets me crazy is that the trailer is a two minute version, right? It's like a, t- you know, like like one percent essentially of like what we finally like see in the yeah. the actual proper movie. Um, but it condenses all that down to that. And then when you get the actual movie, it's this very like long, really dragging, really slow sort of thing. And again, people that are listening to this might be saying like, listen, you just brought up Dances with Wolves, which is another really long, pretty, sometimes slow Western movie. But again, I feel like in that the characters in the story are much more compelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're invested in them. You want to see them succeed. You're torn apart when you see them die or lose, you know, and it's just like, it it really gets you this one. I feel like there was no character that I was like, like, all right, like, why do I want to see Will Money succeed in this movie? Because he has kids that are obnoxious in the first like two minutes of the movie that we never see again. And he he leaves them for weeks. Like, like, wouldn't it have been better if his wife was still alive and like, he's trying to like get out of there and get to San Francisco. And if you could only do this one last thing, he could bring his family there, not like a dead wife. And it's like in her memory that he's like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I just don't find anything in this movie compelling. Like, even if you go to somebody, like I said before, like the town sheriff, like let's say he's just like doing his damnedest to keep everybody safe in the town. He's not even doing that. So it's no. just like, I can't even like, you know, side for him. I don't side for the Schofield kid. He's a liar and a blowhard. I can't side for the prostitute whose face got cut up because at the end of this movie, the two guys that that hurt her are dead, but she's still stuck with a life where she's not going to be able to get ahead. She's going to be like, I mean, like, I don't know what her life is now. Like the guy that ran that bar and brothel is dead. Yeah. Like what do the bunch of them do? I guess like just leave. Like, do they continue running it themselves? I don't know what the answer is. You know, like some of um, the the so-called posse, I don't know if they're all deputies or what the hell is leave so presumably they're going to be the new deputies or sheriffs in the place they're all spineless 
Um, Probably more corrupt than Gene Hackman's character. You know, like I'd have rather, you know, like they give you that little thing like at the end, like Will Money, like wife's mother shows up and it's about her. Well, like what happens to the show fell kid? What does he do? You know, like what happens to that woman who is the inciting incident of this whole movie? Like, it's just like, I just don't think they knew entirely what this was about. I think they just kind of flew by the seat of their pants and, and did this story and whatever, but I don't think it was really fully thought out. And it just like, there's a lot of holes and a lot of just stuff that like is not compelling and doesn't, makes sense pasted together with a few kind of shocking or really intriguing scenes held up by a bunch of mush in between. Yeah. A lot of mush. Yes. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's all there is to say about it. You know what I mean? Like I, there's really nothing else. I, I feel like there's nothing else I can say about it, but it's just like, I was just really surprised because I was expecting one movie and I feel like I got a very different movie. Yeah. Like, I was excited to watch this movie after watching that trailer and then getting into it. I was just like, this is not the movie that I expected. And, you know, I just feel like cheated almost because it it could have been a great movie, but it's ultimately not. And that's the thing. I feel like if like they were able to take a second crack at this, that they could do something bigger and more different. I'm almost curious to go watch. What did I tell you? I think it was either a, a Chinese or Japanese version, like a redo that they did, except it was like with a samurai. I kind of want to dig that movie up and see how that came out. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm curious which like which one will be better. Maybe as like a like for kicks, I'll see if I can't find that and and watch it and just like in a future episode, let you know what I thought about it. I think you know any of the Sergio Leone westerns are yeah. better than this movie. Yeah, again, I'd rather watch the Good, Bad, and the Ugly than this any day of the week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and I, and I just like you said, there's just so much that is unknown. And I wanted to point out a couple of things. So, like you said, they go to uh, San Francisco at the end of the movie, or we were to assume that they do. There's never any inclination in the beginning of the movie that he's even thinking about San Francisco. All he's caring about is his uh, his pigs that that, yeah. got the, that got the cold, or got the got the flu, or got. I the mean, bug. I think he realizes he has to leave the area because otherwise they're going to come get him. But like, it also doesn't really a hundred percent jive with his speech as he's leaving the town like if anybody does this or that again i'm gonna come back and kill all of you you know sort of thing it's like apparently not you're headed out to san fran to become like a shop owner i guess yeah so yeah i don't know it is what it is (laughs) but listen that's really it that's all i i have got nothing more to say about this movie i mean it's fine i don't think it's the best picture of the year i don't even think it should have been the best picture of the month the honest but All right, so folks, tell us what you think. We want to know what you feel about this movie because obviously there was a lot of you voting for this. So if you disagree with us, let us know why. Um, If you feel the same way we do, let us know about that. And uh, if we changed your mind, let us know about it um, over on our socials. Um, In the meantime, I'm going to beat you to the punch on this one. Let's talk a little bit about what we're doing for next month. I've got the top four ready for us to go here. Oh, good. Um, I was trying to get it up there. <laughs> so so here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to be skipping a few that we've discussed doing and that clearly did not get the vote in the past, including Single White Female and Sister Act and also Unforgiven Again. Um, so here's the four I'm going to suggest for next month, for September 1992. Okay. Sneakers. Mm-hmm. Honeymoon in Vegas. Mm-hmm. The Last of the Mohicans. Ugh. 
and Captain Ron. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that, and you folks out there in listener land, if you do select anything in there outside of maybe Honeymoon in Vegas, but if you don't pick Captain Ron for me, I'm going to be so sad. Captain Ron is one of my all-time favorite movies ever. (laughs) Well, listen, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, Sneakers is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, (laughs) If it doesn't get picked, I'm going to request that it gets added to October as well as a possibility uh, because I hate Captain Ron. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't like Last of the Mohicans. It's long. It's it's. As long as I know, that's another one. Dance with wolves, but it's but it's like it's longer than than Dance with with Wolves, but it feels really long. Um, (laughs) Honeymoon in Vegas is is a fine movie, but Sneakers is fantastic. I mean, come on, people, that movie is (laughs) dynamite. So hopefully it comes down to either Sneakers or Captain Ron. Fortunately, Pete does the notes for next month, so I don't have to stress about it. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that list. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's fine. All right, let's see how the voting goes. There's a part of me that's almost tempted to have each of us watch the one that we really like and do like two half reviews instead but let's see what the voting brings we're going to leave it up to you guys and see where where your thoughts lie on those ones all right tell them how they can find us michael so you can find us on our social medias on your clickety clack device using uh the at box office t-h-i-r-t-y on instagram and box office three zero on the facebooks and the twitters you can go to boxoffice30.com to our website and check out some some episodes you may have missed. You can also go to our T Public store and search Box Office 30 to get some merch. Uh, as always, we want to thank our home of the Retro Network and Jason and Mickey for giving us a platform to trash talk a movie that is <laughs> revered. Trash talk a movie that got like a huge portion of our vote. Yes. <laughs> I always feel like it's so awkward when that happens where like I was mentioning to somebody the other day, um, I was like, you know, I'm always trying to like mention to people the podcast because I always want to bring more listeners in, get the word out there. And uh, they're like, well, what's your movie for this month? I said, oh, Unforgiven. They're like, oh, that's my favorite Western. And I'm like, cool, cool. And then like I like saw the movie and I'm like, it's going to be disappointing if that's the first time they listen to this podcast. And I'm just like, what a crap movie. (laughs) Yeah, I, it's I, I don't know, man. That was a weird way that it shook out because people are just they just have such reverence for this film. And I just I didn't get it. I didn't see it. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, 50 yeah, percent so- of our voters, which is 20 people last month, wanted us to do this movie. And I can't tell if it's because they thought we would hate it or love it. But either way, some people are going home unhappy after listening to this episode. <laughs> I, I fully believe they did it so that they knew they would torture me for having to sit through the notes for nine hours of this film. Um, Just think, we could have been doing Three Ninjas right now, folks. <laughs> man, you guys really dropped the ball on that one. Really, really dropped the ball. Which is funny, though. Since you've mentioned Three Ninjas, I keep getting ads on social media for – it's apparent sequels that it has. <laughs> there are several, apparently. Really? Yes, there's like three or four sequels. I don't wow. know. But anyway, listen, that was our our 
thoughts and a, and feelings on Unforgiven and its uh, you know aforementioned awards and so on and so forth. But you know, listen, thank you as always for listening and checking us out and chatting with us on social media. And we'll see you next month, everybody. Bye, friends. I got nothing. <laughs> if you don't come back, I'll go find you. And I'll wipe you all out. I'll uh, shoot you all right Chased me. <laughs> yeah, what he said. <laughs> Bye. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.